Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm Mara Carabello filling in for Boyd Matheson on this beautiful Friday afternoon. As we just heard, tonight is the night to end our work with a great walk. And and then we're going to see some rain over the weekend, which won't be too bad for Utah following the hot summer we had. Now, I want to dig into a local issue that feels, frankly, a little new for us um, in terms of its intensity. And it's the growing frustration that Salt Lake City is experiencing around homelessness and violent crime that's rising, even in neighborhoods that were previously thought to be safe. So I want to talk through what we can do about it. Why uh, should people who aren't living in Salt Lake City care about this? And uh, let me just tell you where a little bit of my seat at the table comes from. I live in a house with a retired chief of police, and I'm very supportive of the men and women who do this incredibly hard and incredibly important public service. And I believe that by supporting the system and keeping its main, maintaining its integrity, we always have to be very upfront about this shared problem that we have that is law enforcement. So I'm looking forward to diving into this little this issue a little more. Inside Sources had the chance to talk earlier to a community leader, uh, a local business owner in Salt Lake City, and the for, uh, former Salt Lake City mayoral candidate, David Abara. We talked to him earlier about this and some other ideas that he has. So let's start out getting his point of view on a certain point of view uh, on crimes that are in decline and what he thinks about this, um, whether this is short-sighted or not. When people from that live here look at that and, and, and roll their eyeballs back and say, you must not be getting out into the neighborhoods. You must not be walking down Main Street. Main Street. You must not see all of the encampments. And I believe that the biggest uh, a part of this uh, comes back in leadership. You learn to look at the cause, not the uh, reaction to the cause. Look at the cause. Until we're ready to uh, to approach a, with a solution for the shelter-resistant population that want to live in a tent or what have you, until we're ready to address that, our 911 calls are going to go to that population and it's going to continue to grow and our main streets and our neighborhood, our pocket parks are just going to be unusable. 
So he's bringing up a very interesting point, very direct about the um, shelter resistant and the homeless population. I think for many of us, uh, the last few years have represented um, a transparency to this and an undue amount of impact. If you work or live in Salt Lake City, depending on the pockets you are, you're seeing some tent cities that we've never seen. And I think the complexity of the problem from those who are long-term shelter resistance to the economy and COVID and the impact that we're having on affordable housing, the challenge, I think, um, for many of us with with the population that is homeless is that it has several factors. And, and we've listened to discussions about, is it all law enforcement or in times when you're having a mental health crisis or when you're in fact experiencing addiction or instability from an economic perspective, sending law enforcement, sending the police, is that the best, most expedient way to handle the situation or does it just make it worse? A few years ago, as many of you will recall, led by then Speaker um, Greg Hughes and then uh, County Mayor Ben McAdams, the two of them came together for a Salt Lake City based solution that was then supported by the state and by the county. And it would be interesting to follow up. Um, since then, the state of Utah has designated a full-time homeless person to focus on this issue, who is a former senator um, in Wayne Niederauer. And, but for many of us who live downtown, we're asking the question of why does it still feel unsafe for some of us for the first time in years unsafe to walk at, at times at night? And and. Is this, as David suggests, a leadership challenge that we're experiencing and who's responsible for that? So before we dig too much deeper, um, David answers a really interesting question about why those of you listening who don't live in the capital city should care. It's spreading. It's in uh, South Salt Lake. Uh, It's into Bountiful. It's going to spread. And we have to have a solution that isn't Salt Lake City solution. It's the county solution. It's the state solution. And if we correct the problem by not having homeless, um, uh, the, the shelter-resistant population unable to pitch tents in the city or in our pocket neighborhood parks, and they drift to Murray or they drift to Midvale, the same solution has to be given there so that we can reduce the population. And it is the humane thing to do. When you're down on Main Street and you see somebody passed out on the pavement, if that were me in a suit, the police would be called and I would be taken in for a public intoxication. But because it's a homeless person, the answer has become, oh, poor person, step over them, step around them. And that's inhumane. That's just not uh, the Utah way. So let's break this down a little bit by statistic. Um, violent crime is up in 2020. Uh, we saw an increase in homicides, although for Utah, we should point out that's still a relatively small number. But for the size of our population, it was significant. There were 93 homicides in the state in 2020. But importantly, firearm use is up 67 percent. This is should be a disturbing um statistic for all of us in what's at play there because of the the when we increase violent crimes particularly use of firearms this becomes a much urgent need and a way to address it. I want to start to pivot, though, to solutions. I'm going to give one more cut with David about his ideas uh, in giving advice to the leaders and how we can problem solve. Mayor Mendenhall has a opportunity to, opportunity to lead out on this issue. If 
I were her and I heard somebody like me say the comments that I uh, uh, have made, I would simply reply that David's exactly right. That is an issue. And I'm going to call upon the governor and the speaker and the uh, president of the Senate to come together with the county mayor and let's put together a program within 60 days and unveil the exact actions of solving the problem, not just maintaining the problem. That's what leaders do. And Mayor Mendenhall simply points the finger, uh, her finger to uh, uh, the state and the state points their finger uh, back. And meanwhile, the residents are not experiencing the Salt Lake City that they're used to and, and the way it can be again. But as we're apt to do on this show, let's dig a little deeper and focus on some solutions. What about the value of ignorance? So isn't that an interesting phrase? What about the value of interest uh, of ignorance? So uh, I'm going to turn to David again, and he argues there's so much we can learn and that there is a role for ignorance in the action of problem solving, particularly of public issues. The very first thing in leadership that I and I've gone all over the world in advising companies uh, of how to correct problems. One thing that I remind them is to understand the word to be ignorant, to be ignorant. Ignorant is not a bad word. It sounds like it, but it isn't. It's lack of knowledge on a certain subject. I'm going to have, and I know what my talents are, but I also, as a leader, got to know what my talents aren't. And then I got to assemble specialized talent team members that have dealt with the problem. And if I try to do something that I'm not a specialist in, then I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to be the filter of lack of knowledge, and it'll never get fixed. When I I visited uh, uh, other other uh, mayors in other cities just to see what was working, we need to reach out across this nation. And there are cities that have resolved the problem. It's not going to go away 100. percent There is no there there is no doubt. But we can have a city that doesn't have tents. We can have a city that doesn't have people passed out on a pavement uh, one block away from the temple ground or one block away from our eateries and our restaurants, we can do better than we've done. But it's about putting together the specialized talent skill members to solve the problem. Now, what I've seen, I've seen some solutions. I've seen some overnight uh, safe uh, place uh, uh, field houses that people are moved to. And if you don't have a place to stay, that's where you go. And there's people there to greet them that love people. And they may be uh, greeting somebody that's uh, hostile and not happy, but they're still going to greet them. And they're still going to treat them with respect. And they're going to have available to them a place to wash clothes, uh, a, a place to take a shower, a rest, a, a restroom, and 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 and, and minimal. Uh, uh, and what I saw was in, in a bologna sandwich, and not giving much because right next door was a resource center where you could go get assessed. And there, there's a hot, hot, hot meal. There, there's a bed and sheets and a, a, a better lifestyle. But you got to be willing to be assessed. And if somebody has the desire, they have to have the desire first to leave where they're at and to, and, and to start a, a, a program of recovery. And when they do, they gain hope. And when they gain hope, they gain, regain dignity. And then you go into a situation like the other side village where you can learn what it is to be a member of a community and earn your way into a home. 
So I love what he says, this notion of what we should expect of our leadership in terms of what they know and what their team should know. And as he says, the role of ignorance in problem solving. And that's something in which I want to bring us as voters and members of the community into the discussion, because I think the ability of our elected officials to bring expertise to the table and to have, we all say we want transparency. It's such a buzzword, but are we allowing the space for our elected officials to have the dialogue and or are we just wanting them to have a button-up solution on hard issues so we don't have to deal with it, so we make it go away? So this notion that he's bringing up that What's intriguing is a leader who acknowledges what they're not area experts in and brings other people to the table. And then we should expect measurable results, as he suggests. But it seems like the innovation that he's talking about is something that's intriguing, as well as a leader who doesn't purport to be under control all the time or know all the answers, but in fact is open about the many different solutions. And and so what a great piece of advice there to have us all look for the members of the team he or she puts together uh, to help lead the issue and not and not just themselves. I think that that's an important distinction as we judge and evaluate how well our leaders are doing. Certainly some advice from my seat that can be taken um, of Salt Lake City. Candidly, I, I think we having, we're having a failure of, of leadership at the law enforcement level in Salt Lake City. And what will it take the mayor to bring better leadership to the table that supports better supports the men and women who are day-to-day on the streets. Because I think this brings up the issue for all of us, how do we support our police departments? And by and large in Utah, we have not seen resources go down. Salt Lake City has a larger budget than ever for law enforcement. Salt Lake City has more sworn officers available. 519 sworn officers is an all-time high. So to David's questioning, is it really a matter of leadership um, and not resources, an intriguing one in which I would say I challenge the Salt Lake City mayor to bring the right talent to the table. So another issue then becomes in these these situations that are a little bit pressurized is we've heard a lot about the police themselves leaving Salt Lake City for other forces. And what can we do about better supporting them and solving the problem? And David has a little bit more to say about this. If you look historically, historically, we have a bigger budget than we've ever had. We have more boots on the ground we ever had, but we're not getting the job done. And if you listen to our leaders, they'll tell you all the reasons that they can't. And when somebody tells me that they can't, they've seated their subconscious to prove it, and they're not going to. We've got to be able to be creative. And there are policing programs and leaders that can bring the morale of our officers back to what it once was so that we don't have people leaving for another city at less pay because they don't want to work in Salt Lake City. But if we don't get the shelter-resistant population handled, then uh, the policing is going to be more difficult. uh, And to protect and serve is going to be a problem because 911 calls are not going to get answered. So there are cities in the U.S. right now that are radically changing their approach to policing. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure we need to radically change, but if you look at Ithaca, New York, or um, if you look at Berkeley, they're, they're exploring things such as not giving parking tickets because they think that the parking tickets are leading to uh, racial discrimination and other crimes that are not needed, and they're getting very few payoffs, if you will, or they're not reducing crime by giving um, 
uh, parking tickets. There are cities that are gathering much more relevant data and sharing it with the public. Um, the the transparency related to uh, filming and seeing those responses and what happened in real time and this marriage of mental health and and those services which we have done in in many of the cities in salt in in Utah in marrying the underlying problems that we have with violence and crimes and so this looking for innovation I think has always been a very foundation of Utah. Utah has always been able to adjust to their populations. I love that law enforcement is locally done and not done at a higher level because I think it needs to reflect and the officers need to reflect that the communities and the communities are slightly different in their needs. But this challenge to stay relevant, support our officers, but also look for solutions and insist insisting on a safe and secure environment does seem to be in Utah a question we have to ask ourselves, particularly when we're getting more and more dense on the Wasatch Front. And it seems to me that we'll talk about this a little more, but the role that, again, leadership plays in being open about solving the problems here. I am so optimistic that Utah has always had a history of working together. So now is a time that we need to see the state and the city and the county all come together for all these communities on the Wasatch Front. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.